Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Larry H. Russell, host of Celtics Beat and author of the critically acclaimed book, Follow the Boston Celtics which you can still download for free by logging on to www.clnsradio.com book. Welcome on in to another edition of Seller Speed being brought to you today by our sponsors, the home of online video tutorials, lynda.com and Audible. Audible is the leading source of audiobooks online with over 180,000 downloadable titles to choose from. And because of your listenership, Audible is offering your first audiobook on them by simply logging on to audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. That's audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. Today is Sunday, September 20th. I am Larry H. Russell, and this is Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio, which today is being presented by Linda and Audible. Audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics free audiobook on us. Thank you for downloading yet another show, and thank you for putting up with me for the next 60 minutes or so, 10 minutes, 5 minutes, whatever. Not all me, though. Got a great, great guest today, Gary Tangway. He will be coming back, Comcast Sports Net New England. Before we get rolling, let's take care of some early business here. Season's coming up. Many ways to purchase tickets, not just to the Boston Celtics, but all the locals, concerts, you name it. And the most efficient way is courtesy of TickIQ. TIQIQ TIQIQ.com is the leading ticket aggregator online, saving you time and money with a one-stop spot for all your ticketing needs. And to receive 5% off, enter code CLNS for all TickIQ specials and TN tickets. That's CLNS at TIQIQ.com. And if you want to get in the house for free on opening night, well, we're still having our contest from now until October 11th, but the sooner you enter, the better. Two tickets to see the Celtics open up the season against the Philadelphia 76ers. How do you enter? Simple, subscribe, rate, and review. Celtics beat on iTunes and Stitcher. Let us know what you think of the show. Rate and review. Be honest. Tell us what you think, what we can to improve the show, or heck, you love the show, let us know. It means a lot, and a winner will be selected at random on our October 11th edition of Celtics Beat. The sooner you enter, the better. And if you're having trouble finding us, check out our show page on clnsradio.com or simply search for Celtics Beat on iTunes or Stitcher. And yes, subscribe, rate, and review. Simple as that, and you are in. Okay, now that we're all up to speed here, time to get rolling along here. And by rolling along, I mean just getting started with this show because as quiet as it has been on the Western front or the Celtics front, whatever, This had to have been the quietest week of the whole summer. I think actually in the NBA. This time of year, a lot of people sort of grasp for straws. I saw Zach Lowe throw a piece up earlier in the week on Markeith Morris. And then in that piece, he mentioned the Knicks could explore a possible trade with Carmelo. Uh, What kind of information is that? Could possibly explore? Isn't that the case with everyone on every team? And obviously you saw folks begin to... Make something of that. Could Team X be interested? Could Team Y? Could the Celtics all over someone who could potentially be available? Can we wait for some substance, please? Well, I'll I'll bite. I'm gonna I'm gonna touch upon this briefly. Quick history lesson, and it's actually giving me an excuse to talk more about the philosophies here. But let's go back shortly in time. I bring this example up time after time after time again on the show. 
But here we go again. The summer of 2006, Celtics were interested in acquiring Allen Iverson for Al Jefferson and an assortment of other valuable commodities they had at the time. Didn't go through. Thank God. Sure enough, a year later, Garnett, Allen, and a championship within 330 days from that. And I always shudder to think of what would have happened had Iverson been picked up in the summer of 06. I shudder. It would have been a colossal waste of everyone's time. It wouldn't have worked out whatsoever. The team would have snagged a couple of six seeds, and that would have been that. And the title drought would be creeping towards 30 years right now. Uh, it's, it's amazing to think of the possibilities. I mean, you could even guess would Danny Ainge still have a job? But yeah, uh, you would be looking at literally a 30-year title drought right now. Next year would have been, or this coming year would have been 30 years. Actually, we're celebrating the 30-year anniversary this coming season of that 85-86 Celtics team. It's depressing and fun in a way. I wonder if they'll do anything uh, regarding the team this year. I doubt it. It's now after the 08 championship. It's just one of the years. The Celtics won one of their 17 championships, although albeit that was one Special season, arguably the greatest team in NBA history. All right, let's get back on track here. Thank God the <laughs> Allen Iverson trade back in 06, the Ramu trade, did not happen. Uh, because when it comes to making your transformative move and putting all the eggs in one basket or two baskets, you better be pretty damn sure it's going to work out. Basically, you better not be investing in an aging north of 30 one-dimensional players, i.e. Allen Iverson, and, well, i.e., to an extent, Carmelo Anthony. He's got much more to his game, offensively at least, than Iverson did. They can't say defensively, which was for AI. It was just basically beat his man off the dribble, get to the line. And once that body started to deteriorate, so did his game. But Carmelo, kind of the same deal in a way. You know, funny, I was all in on acquiring him last summer which seems like ancient history in that own own right if you're talking about ancient history. But as each passing second goes by, he would mean less and less in terms of being a championship piece. So let these Carmelo could potentially stories come and go. Just let it serve as a reminder, as a means for patience and how important it is to do so because all these times where the sellers are down like they were in 2014 or the middle of the pack, like they were last year and likely this coming season. And it's kind of, you know, you, you do get the sense like, geez, all right, everybody, let's get good again. But just remember, and I know I'm clearly stating the obvious here, which I hate doing on this show. But remember, you have got to get the right guys. Make the move for a James Harden, a KG, a Pau Gasol, a Chris Paul, not a Carmelo Anthony, or an Allen Iverson Ironica, as they were on the same team at one point, And that never worked out. Um, so that's that. But yes, back to the front. I mean, when your biggest Celtics news hit the wire this past week, one that has garnered front-page coverage from various underground outlets that cover the Celtics is Terry Rozier signing with Adidas. Uh, That's when you know. um, And while we do like to have a very broad outreach here on the show with our audience, we appreciate this audience greatly. One portion of the audience that is kind of like, uh, it's kind of cringe, are the shoe people, the sneakerheads. And I'm sorry, I am an incredibly prejudiced individual. There's a little, I don't want to say hatred in me, but there's a little bias in some of it's very just, there's no basis to it. I'm just, but that's, I'm, at least I admit it. Uh, at least I admit it, right? Isn't admitting the first part. But I'm prejudiced and. I just have these images and reels that have a tendency to play in my head, especially around Thanksgiving, day after Thanksgiving, the wildebeest Lion King-like stampedes into shopping malls uh, on Black Friday, which seems like every year, which we laugh when those videos appear on YouTube, but it's also the facepalm of facepalms, and it's almost a microcosm of America in the 21st century or a terrible reflection on society where it's like, oh, Jesus, you know, no wonder this country is in the you know, atrocious condition that it's in when you have what seems like millions and millions of people literally killing one another over shoes. So that's why I even cringe, cringe when I see any type of news, be it James Harden signing with Adidas and wearing Nikes. And oh, my goodness, I cringe when I see shoe stuff in the news because that image immediately comes to my head. But actually, the biggest news in the NBA world, and unequivocally the status news 
uh, actually happened this past Sunday, a couple hours after we released the show. Sad passing of Moses Malone. You've heard many tributes, read many great articles, basically declaring what I've always felt to be the case, actually, the most underrated player in NBA history, largely because of A, the peak of his career was during a time when there was probably the least amount of national interest in the NBA, the late 70s, and actually even into the early 80s there. Uh, And B, and I think the most important part, he never really spoke to the media. Funny how that works, huh? But that's what hurt Jim Rice for so long, especially in terms of him getting into the Hall of Fame. But he was never the friendliest guy with the media, so therefore the media isn't going to paint the most glowing picture of you in your playing days and in your post-playing days. So that's why you really don't hear about Moses Malone the way you should hear about Moses Malone or the way you have over this past week. It's, oh, yeah, that Moses Malone, he was a great player. Sad that it actually took him to pass away for people to realize that. But Moses was – he was truly Shaq before Shaq. At one time in the early 80s, utterly dominant, completely unstoppable, particularly on those horrific Rockets teams. He was carrying in 81, uh, 82. He is one of the 15 best players in league history. He was a pioneer jumping from high school to the NBA. Him and Daryl Dawkins, both not long apart here. Very sad news indeed with him. But at the very least, it gave many a good opportunity to reflect on both of their great careers, and very sad, as that has really only been the only news these past few weeks, particularly this last week, very quiet. Ian Eagle back on our Labor Day show, we refer to this time as the calm before the storm. Of course, actually, too, that's for him. He's rolling along with the NFL on CBS now. But for those just basketball, this is the ultimate calm before training camp, which begins, hello, uh, this week, uh, the open practice, getting emails already on that, the 29th. For season ticket holders, may give those away to a loyal listener. Maybe tweet at me at CLNS underscore LHR on why you deserve uh, to go. I'm actually, I will probably not go, so I'd be more than happy to give those away to a loyal listener. But anyways, here we go. Final show for us to reflect on any transpirings this summer. In fact, summer ends tomorrow officially. Perfect timing, too. Feel like we have got our last array of 80-some degree days here in Boston this past week. Can't imagine we are going to see any of those again in 2015. But summer ends tomorrow. Training camp in the NBA begins this week. Pretty much for every team in the league, last chance to really shoot the breeze, have a little fun on this show before we really get down to business and dissect the ins and outs, the weekly occurrences. I mean, hey, in a few weeks, the Celtics will be going overseas actually playing a preseason game in Milan, October 6th. Talked a lot about team bonding, chemistry developing, if you will, over the course of time here on Celtics Beat. Had a lot of conversations regarding that with our guests. Our chat with Kyle Draper last month is sort of the one that jumps out at me. But in the past, I referenced the West Coast trip last January, particularly the four days off after a loss to the Clippers on Martin Luther King Day, where the team stayed in L.A. on the road. Teams Players tend to get to know each other a little bit better, come to know each other. They hang out. Is, that's all they really have uh, for friends. They have none of their real friends usually to hang out with them on the road. And just naturally getting to know each other off the court, and that has effect on the court. And I guess that can have that effect on the court. I mean, the case in point and the prime example of this was the 2008 Celtics opening their season or their preseason in Rome with Ubuntu. and nah, 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 you know, A lot of fresh faces this year. A lot of odds and ends that need to be sorted out on the roster. A trip abroad to Italy may be just what the doctor ordered to help qualm some possible issues uh, that could occur, which, as we know, I am a little concerned about being an issue this year. But this trip overseas could be just what the boss ordered, especially going to a place like Italy where there's so much to do, a lot of places to hang out, you know, a lot of food to eat. You got to go easy on those carbs. All right. I'm not, obviously, we all know I'm not really going to go there. It doesn't make the audience too happy. But uh, in all seriousness, this trip has the potential to be very healthy mentally, uh, mentally more so than physically for that very reason. Maybe create a positive early atmosphere before there will be some inevitable, should I say that, inevitable animosity over playing time, over frustrations of who was in the game and some late game mishaps that could contribute to some losses. Could create a higher pedestal if there is that fall rather than being where they are now or not even, or dare we say it, 
getting off on the wrong foot. And obviously, another downside, which is physical more so than mental, is being in a wayward time zone, which throws your body clock way off. I know. Now, I don't know if others get this, but say I'm going to Los Angeles and or going to Italy. Geez, I should do my research, but what are they, six hours ahead of us? I could be wrong there, but let's go with six. They're six hours ahead of us. In L.A., I'll, I'll go there. They're three hours behind us. Stay there for a weekend, a week, fly back. I'll be fine. I'll be right back on my normal sleeping schedule. But for me, it's always like the following days. And as odd as is, sometimes even weeks for me to recuperate. I'll have random instances of fatigue where I'm just sapped of energy. Not just physical, but mentally I just feel exhausted. Sort of like when you're out in the heat. Let's say you spend 10, 11 hours a day in 90 degrees. Very rare for people to do. I actually do it quite frequently during the summer. I wish I didn't have to, but it's just part of the deal. I'll spend 10, 11 hours in that, on a 90-degree day. I'll be out there, and I'll actually feel fine out there, uh, provided I'm guzzling water all day. But you'll feel it the day after, after that heat. Uh, saps you of all those minerals that you sweat it out. It's always a few days later, and it sometimes takes a lot of time for your body to recover. That's really actually what it is. It's the recovery process. So that is also the case with travel. When you reset your body clock like that and you adjust yourself to different time zones, it's very taxing on your body. It may take some time for the team to recuperate, so therefore practices aren't as crisp. I may be making a bigger deal of this than it should be. Oh my goodness, the practices don't be good in training camp, even though you have all these practices throughout the course of the season. But we have discussed the importance of training camp, particularly when you have, once again, all these new fresh faces. So they, yes, they should recover by the season, but, but kind of need all hands on deck, all attention focused early to make things go right here, as it is a very important training camp in terms of setting roles. I'll tell you. Here's one example in terms of etching out new or possibly reverting to old roles. Read a great piece the other day on Celtics blog from Kevin O'Connor. Always enjoy reading Kevin. Of course, that's not hard considering at the pace in which he writes at. But anyways, he had a nice little uh, feature on Avery Bradley returning to a role, hopefully returning to a role, that he was far more suited to play when we really saw him at his best second half of 2012. 2013, when he returned from that injury, had a good playoff series against the Knicks, was arguably the best on-ball defender on the perimeter in the league. For anyone who follows the Celtics, follows the NBA, vivid memories of his defense against Dwayne Wade, vivid memories of when, when he was first getting playing time during that lockout season. I mean, he wouldn't let players get beyond half court. What was it? That game against Jordan Farmar? Defensively the best, a complete pest. Literally, comparisons were made of him to Darrell Rivas. Then 2014, the talent on that Celtics team level dropped drastically, and he began to shoulder more of an offensive load, was taking double-digit shot attempts a game, sometimes even north of 20, as scary as that was. So obviously, he could not expend that type of energy on the defensive end. And as we've seen these last two seasons, these last two years, through the naked eye, he is nowhere near as tenacious as he was on defense, and advanced numbers have actually shown it. Now, I remember as Bradley was, who he was particularly on the team, was making a run the second half of 2012, I was thinking, would he be like this throughout his career? I mean, he's a very, at this point, he's a young player, I mean, naive in a way, and a lot of young players, which Bradley was at the time, they put infinite amounts of effort in those aspects of the game defense. Now, a veteran guy, you know, making a little money, he's kind of settled down a little bit, isn't exactly fighting for, let alone playing time, but even a spot on the team. Uh, Avery Bradley doesn't have to fight for that anymore. You know, naturally, you do get a bigger head. I'm not even saying that makes him a bad guy or lazy or anything. It just sort of comes naturally. It doesn't have to, you know, you don't have to win playing time anymore. It's pretty much a given to him. And in Avery's case, he's pretty much the de facto captain of this team, no less. That same sense of urgency to hustle isn't there. That's not a knock against him. I know when I first start working at new places, you come out guns a-blazing, hustle like crazy, and then after a few years, you settle in. It, it's just natural. But this is actually, you can even tie this back to maintaining good teams as well. Let's say the Celtics were able to stay competitive in 14 
and, and this past season, and Bradley could stay in his role. He just stays focused at doing one thing, and now he's doing different things. Uh, let's kind of hope he doesn't get addicted to doing those different things. Uh, but these last two years, they had Bradley doing things that, quite frankly, you wish he was reverting his attention to what we know he's best at, and that's on the defensive end of the court. And offensively, spot shooting, not driving to the basket where he gets that shot block, not at the rate he was at one point. Remember that that first year, Brad Stevens, it seemed like every time he went to the hoop, he'd get a shot swatted back in his face. I think he finishes a little bit better now. At least that's what my eyes are telling me. Don't have the advanced numbers right in front of me. But it still seems like quite frankly, but defense, defense, defense. I'm with Mr. O'Connor. I love to see that Bradley back for because of how good he was at it. And he was great. And in my eye, he was the best. And the Celtics need that because that type of hustle and tenacity would be contagious. Doing that type of dirty work, being that unselfish, especially coming from one of the most tenured guys on the team, one of the guys making the most money on the team. It could, in fact, should, should spread to everyone else on the roster, especially when you have another guy who's kind of just like that, Jay Crowder. You have another guy making a lot of money. You have him. Or guys making you know, the most money on the team, and they're all sort of playing unselfishly, all dedicating most of their energy to the defensive end of the court where there's a lot less glory, a lot less highlights to it. Everyone else would. I gotta. I hate to reference my book, but we're going to do it. We're going to reference Fall of the Boston Celtics. Still available for free. CLNSradio.com slash LHR book. CLNSradio.com slash LHR book. Free copy, Fall of the Boston Celtics. Remember to speaking to many uh, members of management, many players on the team, players all referenced how so many guys stepped up and played the most aggressive defense. And because of the yeoman's work of a few guys on that team, Tony Battee, Walter McCarty, Eric Strickland, Eric Williams, those guys doing what they did when they were on the court or even in practices, actually, most importantly, that all the players, well, everyone who I've spoken to on that team and members of management on that team, they said that that spread throughout the team. That attitude, everything, that whole mindset. And you had guys like Kenny Anderson, and I hate to single out Kenny Anderson, but Kenny Anderson, they all bought in. They all played harder defense that year than almost any year of their individual careers. And yes, Kenny Anderson was singled out by many on that team. And I actually know Kenny's a listener to this show. So sorry, Kenny. I'm actually just a messenger here. I'm using you to make a point. So I appreciate uh, being a good sport. But anyways, back on Bradley. If we had a poll like, do you want to see Avery Bradley play defense like he did in 2012? Uh, that wouldn't be much of a poll, would it? It'd be uh, so lopsided in one way, but I guess they do have plenty of those here uh, in this country. We waste our time on disapproval ratings for Congress. But if there was one of those, it'd be 100%. 100% of Celtics fans would want Bradley. And as there is more scoring on this team, both off the bench and now possibly along the front line and maybe even in the backcourt with the evolution of Marcus Smart, Isaiah Thomas having a full season here, whatever. As Ian Thompson said last week, there's going to be better passing. You'd hope on the team, better team passing with the addition of David Lee along the front court should be better ball movement. And you love to take advantage of Bradley's speed and agility on the offensive end because without Rondo, we haven't seen Bradley make those baseline cuts in what feels like eons, a play which seemed to run at like a 100% success rate when he was able to sneak free uh, along under the hoop there. I think I speak for everyone when I say I love to see more of that. We all would, and that's what this upcoming training camp will be mostly about. And for it to be a successful one, and for this trip abroad over to Europe to be worth it, have to hope for a lot of guys to carve out as many issues as they can, especially with the Celtics getting younger in the backcourt. Okay, another example. Where does Evan Turner, who played as sort of the Swiss Army knife on last year's team, will he be able to do that again? Likely, but will he have the time? Does he, will he be able to see the court as much? Does he need this camp to reassert himself? Up and down the roster we can go. Will Marcus Smart show he's worthy of starting, which we all assume he will be. Uh, but... What are all those guys along the front line? You can go there. Not just where do they fit in. We all know what most of them can do. We know their skills. You heard Ian Thompson rave about David Lee's passing, as I just mentioned a few moments ago. That's the same thing. Last week's show, if you missed it, go to Celtics Beat, iTunes, Stitcher. It's there. We have every single show archived, all 123 of them now. 
but how can they apply their skills to the good of the team? You know, yada, yada, yada. I know, very obvious stuff, stuff that as Celtics fans, we want. But that is one of the many, many purposes of this camp, along with the standards. See what you have on the team, getting acclimated to the system, you know, coaches putting in their philosophies. A lot of teams can pretty much introduce some of their new players, a couple guys they picked up in the offseason. But it's for the good team, it's just a continuation of what they have going for them, i.e. the San Antonio Spurs the last 15 years, for goodness sake. But for the Celtics, every year now in the past five seasons, plenty of new faces. It's pretty much a new year, almost a new beginning. And that's actually generally something you want to eventually graduate from, if you will. But the Celtics... Always a cast of new faces every year, and just players hate to be so blunt, but not good enough to really stake out roles for themselves based on merit alone. And from a team and coaching perspective, obviously you want the system and philosophies that are entrenched in the organization, which that seems like a goal of Danny Ainge's to have Brad Stevens here as long as he wants to have him here, (laughs) infamous 20-year quote. But uh, no question about it, the system that's in place for years on end with roster stalwarts rather than having to hit the reset button in a way or ingrain it into a new cast of characters, what seems like almost every single season right now. So we went over that, got a little over a week to go before training camp, media day, open practice, the whole deal. Actually, Celtics on Tuesday, uh, the 22nd here, uh, they will be at Old Sandwich Golf Club having their annual charity golf tournament. For the Shamrock Foundation, they usually believe had them at Dedham for so many years. But uh, Tuesday is actually a de facto press conference. For many in that organization, there will be plenty of stories filed into the major media outlets. Plenty of videos, I'm sure Comcast and their website, csne.com. You'll begin to see a lot of the Celtics in the news, on your television sets, on your YouTube. Well, you can probably actually do that whenever you want. Of course, YouTube.com slash CLNS Radio. Plenty in that archives as well. But coming days and coming weeks, the tournament on Tuesday. Uh, by the way, jeez, what happened to playing in Dedham? I know the Celtics have the corporate membership at Old Sandwich now, and that has got to be Danny's work, Mr. Scratch Golfer. I actually feel bad for some of the chop golfers on Tuesday who are going to have to play that course. That is a brutal, long, hilly and some of those guys are going to be crying for mercy on Tuesday. And I, I actually feel bad for the media members, too, because what's it's in Plymouth. It's in the middle of nowhere in Plymouth. It's a complete hike down there. Um, it ain't denim, geez, but uh, it's actually it, it, an unbelievable golf course. But it's meant for. If you're a listener, you're in the area, uh, if you are not a five handicapper under, that may not be a golf course for you. A little challenging. But... It's for the Sam Rock Foundation. Celtics do an incredible job with that, with various charities as well. World-class organization on and off the court. But to those fortunate and generous enough to play, play well on Tuesday. But anyways here, starting Tuesday, after the charity golf tournament down at Old Sandwich, a lot of Celtics in the news. Should only escalate from there. Uh, all the website running their profile pieces on individual players right now. You see Celtics blog. Uh, Bradley, I even see uh, your annual, what is now becoming a Jared Sollinger needs to prove it piece, all that. You're going to be seeing that right up until training camp as when that begins. So actually, let's use this now to hop right into our Facebook question of the week to answer. Log on to facebook.com slash Celtics beat and pitch your response. Love to hear from you. Definitely will get back to you. But this week... Our Celtics Beat Facebook question of the week is brought to you by the third annual Bulletproof Biohacking Conference, which is taking place October 23rd to the 25th in Pasadena, California. The Bulletproof Biohacking Conference is the community's foremost live event celebrating groundbreaking work in the optimization of human mental and physical performance. Founded by biohacker, best-selling author, and creator of Bulletproof Coffee, Dave Asprey, this highly anticipated three-day event will feature the world's leading experts speaking on a wide range of topics, including packing your brain, relationships, nutrition, meditation, sleep, and more. The interactive biohacking technology will include the latest in neurofeedback, exercise hacking, stress inoculation, biofeedback, 
supplements, oxygen, whole body vibration, and much more. There will be plenty of complimentary gifts. So to RSVP, log on to BulletproofConference.com. That's BulletproofConference.com. So Celtics Beat audience, what is the number one angle to the Celtics training camp? Again, Facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. That's Facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. A lot of stories, a lot of things that need to be ironed out. Gave some of my early takes this week. We'll have plenty of time in the coming weeks before we get some preseason games to talk about that, which are creeping right up on us in its own right. We could talk more about that and a bit more going to shoot the breeze a little bit. Other side of the break, Gary Tangway, Comcast Sportsnet New England, after these words. Back to the 80s on the first ever 80s cruise. That's right, seven days in the most radical party to ever hit the high seas with a totally awesome lineup of artists that define the sound of the decade. Join Huey Lewis in the News, Richard Marks, Starship, Cool and the Gang, A Flock of Seagulls, Modern English, Naked Eyes, Tiffany, Wang Chung, and Jesse's Girl, the ultimate 80s party band, and the original MTV VJs, Nina Blackwood, Mark Goodman, and Alan Hunter. As we cruise to exotic ports of core like Grand Turk, San Juan, St. Thomas, and the private island of Half Moon Key, we're going all out by building an 80s video game arcade with Donkey Kong, Mario Brothers, and of course Pac-Man, showing movies like Ferris Bueller and Pretty in Pink, and there'll even be a VJ contest. Don't forget to pack your best 80s looks because we're having a prom night, a movie costume party, pajama party, and neon beach party. You can't miss this. Sailing from February 28th through March 6th, 2016 for the most gnarly vacation ever. For more information, log on to the80scruise.com or call 844-384-8080. This is Larry H. Russell back here again, and let me tell you a little something about me. I'm always reading a book, or three, be it a revolutionary breakthrough on neuroscience such as Daniel Kamen's Thinking Fast and Slow, or even a philosophical masterpiece like Plato's Republic. I'm always doing whatever means to soak up as much knowledge as I can about the world we live in, and we can't do that without literature. But not everyone finds it convenient to carry around all six volumes of the history of the decline and fall of the Roman Empire with them. But there's a solution. My good friends over at Audible. Audible is a leading provider of audiobooks with over 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature. You don't need to be all alone creating that impossible private time with our everyday lives of chaos to do some reading and relaxing. Audiobooks are great to listen to wherever. Be it in the gym, doing chores at work or around the house, driving, riding, shopping, whatever. Audiobooks are the remedy for you. And Celtics Beat and Audible are teaming up to offer you your first audiobook for free. Just go to audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. That's audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. Welcome back into the show. Welcome back to Celtics Beat. Gary Tangway, Comcast Sportsnet New England, is here. Our interview with Gary is brought to you by DraftKings. Football season's only just begun. But it already feels like the playoffs at DraftKings.com, America's favorite one-week fantasy football site where millionaires are being crowned all season long. One-week fantasy at DraftKings means no season-long commitments. It's fantasy football on demand. Play where you want, when you want, with the players you want, and with a million bucks up for grabs every week, every game is the big game and every play matters. So first and ten in the first quarter feels like the fourth and goal with one second left. And a long touchdown run could mean more than just a victory for your favorite team. It could mean you've just turned your love of football into a million-dollar payday. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Hurry to DraftKings.com now and use promo code NEWENGLAND to play for free for a shot at $1 million in this week's Millionaire Maker event. Enter New England for free entry now only at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. Thank you, DraftKings, for sponsoring the interview. Thank you, Gary Tangway, for stopping by once again. It's been quite a while. Gary, welcome back in a Celtics beat. Hey, thanks for having me. Can't wait for the season. No, I feel like we're offering you a bit of a refuge here on the show. Gives you a little break from all the discussions about sports off the field and maybe even a little tune-up for what's probably to come. 
I think so. Um, yeah, I'm excited about the team. I'm not excited about a championship because I don't expect one. A lot of people have talked to me like, you know, how could what would you, what should we look for? How can you be excited about it? Um, and you know, people have talked to me about the Celtics and you know how can they be excited? And in the last week, do we have a chance to win a championship? But I say no. But that's no reason not to watch. I loved watching this team last year. I love Jake Crowder. You know, I like I like Marcus Smart. I hope he becomes more consistent, and I think he will become more consistent. Uh, I, I like some of their offseason moves. I, I love the coach. I mean, I, I love Brad. And if you love basketball, you're going to love this team. Unfortunately, they don't have LeBron or Kevin Durant. <laughs> you know, and there's nothing they can do about that right now. But if you love basketball and you're a Celtics fan, they're going to be a fun team to watch. No, I'm actually with you entirely, totally percent, and that's what I think is pretty important about, I don't know if you call it this rebuild, is for me, as a fan, um, I would like to just be at least amused while they are building a championship team from a fan standpoint, and then also from uh, an organizational standpoint as well. I think it's appropriate and necessary that Brad Stevens is at least into this and not had to go through what Doc had to go through in 06 and 07 uh, for that very reason. I'll leave the floor to you here if you you follow up on that. Well, I agree because I don't think Brad would stick around, and I don't know this for a fact. It's just my opinion. Um, I just think that Brad is about winning, and I think it's very – difficult for him to go through a rebuilding process like this without the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, what Doc understood, you know, I think Doc is being an NBA guy, the ups and downs, you know, the, the idea of having a high draft pick. And I he think also he could wasn't hot as a commodity either. That's the big one right there. Right, right, right. And, and so that's correct. Um, so, but I think for Brad, you know, yeah, I mean, if they're if they're just like tanking year after year, he's gone. I mean, he's gone to whatever. I mean, pick a school, you know. Um, so, I'm glad he's sticking around. You know, then the problem, and I'm sure you get this question a lot as well. Don't you have to stink and get the number one pick? And there are no guarantees to do that either. You know, I mean, look at what Philadelphia's doing. I mean, how long are they going to be at the bottom of the barrel before they turn it around? Um, so it's a really hard job for Danny Ainge. I think it's the most difficult of the four major sports to rebuild in. Yeah, Philadelphia, no question about it. They're pretty much waterboarding their fan base right about now. I mean, just imagine, <laughs> That's a good way to put it, that, yes. Just imagine having to put up with that if you were on Comcast, like trying to promote like Celtic stuff, if uh. it was like three or four years of 15 to 20 wins every year. But, you know, you're, this is now three for three in terms of guests on the show who have unabatedly brought up Brad Stevens leaving. We had Iron Eagle, the great voice of the Brooklyn Nets, and all the great work that he does on. He pretty much said the same thing. Hey, Celtics are kind of in, you know, they're already in a good position, but a little tenuous as well. They're, they can't be winning 40 games every single year, not every year, but in the next, you know, few years. Ian Thompson, who's on Comcast plenty of times, says also the same thing. He's not going to stick around. You know, it's funny. I was actually, I'll tell, tell a little funny story here. Of all things, I'm caddying for one of the owners of the team, not any of the major ones, has a small piece in the team. And we were just, you know, having fun, talking Celtics, blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, you know, it is important, too, that, you know, this team continues to get better because Brad, and he was just appalled that I would ever suggest that Brad Stevens could we was oh no no Brad Stevens Logan and I was I'm kind of like dude you know it's yeah, you can't wake up and smell I, I coffee yeah I, you know <laughs> yeah I mean absolutely get real pal uh, because he want he's about winning that first year he was here he looked awful he had a really hard time especially you know in the NBA guys are accustomed to it they get on the team plane after they play cards they watch movies you know Brad would get on the plane and just watch a game tape and just replay the game over in his mind and. You know, he's got guys that after a 20-point loss are back there playing cards, and he just couldn't relate to that. So they got to keep the coach happy, you know. And, and at the end of the day, he may go back to college because it's going to be really hard for them to get that premier player by the time his contract's up. Yeah, um, you know, and you mentioned, too, like that first year, which was excruciating watch for anybody, watching a team that was that bad, and particularly that bad after the new year. Remember, they had a halfway decent start with like 13 and 14 at one point, and then right. they went out west and they got smacked, and it was just like the rest of the season was like watching paint peel. I can imagine a coach being as competitive as was, but I remember specifically back to last season, there was a game out in Denver where at the end of the game, they pulled it out. Uh, I think Bradley hit a big shot at the game, but it was after they 
he also had beaten Portland the night before on an Evan Turner winner. And Stevens just seemed to be that much more engaged. And that was sort of when I sensed that that team was turning things around in that trip that they had at any January. But you're right in terms about that with uh, Brad's en- uh, engagement of the team. And that is the very important part about continuing for this team to make progress. I think at the very least, this team has to replicate 40, uh, the 40 wins that they had last year, get to the playoffs. It would be a, a bit of a disappointment. I don't want to call it a disaster, but it could be an issue if this team slipped back. All that positive momentum, all that good feeling that they had built from last season, I think would be eradicated if they went back to, like, say, a 35, 36, 37 win team. They're going to have to continue to make steps, you know, eventually, but at the very least, they need to do 41 wins, something around there. Hey, I know you're also short for time. So we got to actually get to this. Also a good friend happened. It's been a few weeks ago now, but, of course, Comcast Sportsnet. Uh, Tommy Heinsohn in the Hall of Fame now as a coach. Is broadcaster going to happen, or is he burned too many? Not burn bridges there, but uh, little friends would be outside of Celtics Nation. Well, I hope that he goes in as a broadcaster, too, because I think you can make the argument that if he goes in as a coach, and he was awesome as a coach, this is not to demean what he accomplished as a coach, I think he's accomplished every bit, if not more, as a broadcaster. All those years on CBS and longevity and you know winning Emmy Awards, and I would love to see the guy as a broadcaster. Uh, I don't know if it's going to happen because I think some people may feel, you know what, he's been in as a coach and a player, and that may be enough, but he's certainly worthy of all three. There's no doubt about it. And I love the fact that he was in, that he's in as a coach. I love it because when I fell in love with that, the first team that I fell in love with was the 1974 Celtics and I was nine, you know, I was 10, you know, nine, 10 years old. And, and that's, that was like my team. You know, when, when, uh, when I meet Kevin Garnett, I don't really get nervous, but still when I see Collins and Havlicek, you know, my palms get sweaty. <laughs> Okay, doesn't Council uh, do work for you guys? You don't. Oh yeah, yeah, he's still around. Yeah, yeah, but you know, he oh, oh they, he not so much anymore, but they're still around. Yeah, oh yeah, he's still around. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, like when I first met him, Donnie Marshall said to me, "Jesus, what are you? You just you, you're acting like you just met the Pope." And I go, "Well, yeah, I did." <laughs> yeah, I mean, when these when we're younger, I mean, it's funny you mentioned the stuff sure. before Celtics for me. The first, my, I guess my first team was that 91 Celtics team, uh, you know, nowhere near in the lore of a championship team. Right. But I, you know, I adore that team now. It's like, you know, these guys are just, I don't want to say just guys that we talk about, but they're just sort of a part of, they're a part of the deal. But uh, it's also too, you know, Tommy gets in as a coach, two championships, and it's also, it's like complete sacrilege for anyone within like Celtics nation to even like suggest that Tommy like it's like, it's like two championships. It's like Rudy Tomjanovich won two championships, but if he got in as a broadcast, that would sort of open up the doors. It's still like not, especially with Johnny most not in as a broadcaster. And if they, well, that's a crime. I mean, that's just, you know, that, that, that's a crime. And I think that Tommy would gladly give up his slot as a broadcaster for Johnny because, you know, Tommy looked up to Johnny. Johnny was a mentor of Tommy's, you know, without question. Yeah. All right, Gary, before we get you out of here, because I know you're really tight on a schedule here, we thank you for so much for doing this. Got to give you the floor to promote uh, some Celtics material on Comcast Sports New England coming up. Yeah, I mean, we've got you covered. I mean, Kyle Draper is going to do a great job again this year. Brian Scalabrini, you're going to see him on every pre- and post-game show. I mean, basically the way it'll work is Scal does the pre- and post-game show when Tommy's at home, and then when they go on the road, they swap seats, and Tommy stays here because his back doesn't allow him to fly as much anymore. And Scal will go on the road, and uh, Abby Chin, they're getting ready for you know their, their preseason opener. And, of course, we'll have you covered with great Celtics programming all year long. Doesn't Tommy still do games uh, like in New York, or is it? It's, that's even yeah, he'll go to Philly. Yeah, I mean he'll go to Philly or he'll go to Brooklyn or New York. But that's a game by game thing. It really depends how he feels. I mean, God bless him. The guy's eighty, you know. And and that the flights, even though it's a big team plane, they're not great on his back. So at the at the most, he would say do New York, Brooklyn, and Philly, and that would be it. Yeah, well, they have to ask give him the Larry Bird traction material on flights like he was doing at the end of the season. <laughs> that's right. I'm surprised yes, he would right. go to Philly, though. We were talking about being waterboarded. I guess, I mean, what's being exposed to a Sixers game in front of, you know, 800 people, you know, as, right. as, as that is. But, uh, Gary, thanks so much for stopping by. Gary Tangway, host of the Arbella Early Edition on Comcast Sports Net New England. You can follow Gary on Twitter at Gary underscore Tangway. Gary, thanks so much for doing this once again.
Okay, anytime. Thanks for having me. No problem, Gary. Thank you once again for giving us even brief time, efficient, efficient time in your Schwartz schedule. Very interesting, too. We are now three for three on our paths, three guests of people daring to mention about Brad Stevens, too. It's not even like I'm initiating this conversation. It is brought up, but it just actually goes to show you just how important, eh, maybe not imperative, uh, for the Celtics to win 45 games, championship, but to keep that positive atmosphere going, not just for the outside stake and what people view with their team, but the people that are still there. Okay, we got to sneak a brief word in. We'll wrap this baby up with around the NBA in five on the other side of this quick message. Hi, this is Jeff Kane, host of Patriots Beat Podcast, the number one podcast on the web covering your Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. Like all of Sealance Radio's great podcasts, it is available for download on sealantsradio.com, iTunes, and Stitcher. Thank you for your continued listenership of Sealance Radio's programming. To find out how you can continue to support CLNS, log on to www.patreon.com slash clnsradio. That's patreon.com slash clnsradio. And now back to Celtics Beat. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Gary Tangway, for stopping by once again. And yes, once again, audience, thank you for listening week in and week out. Like it says, goes out saying, definitely agree with Gary. At this point, we pretty much cannot wait for the season but let's get moving here let's keep chuggling right along time to now move on we are bringing it back around the nba in five it has returned around the nba in five as always is brought to you by americanfarmersnetwork.com a consumer should know where their food comes from and the standards that should be adhered to and American Farmers Network's meats are produced by the network of small family farmers who are committed to the most natural and compassionate approach to ranching. Their production standards go above and beyond even USDA regulations, and all of their certified organic beef is 100% grass-fed from poultry to pork and, of course, beef. AFN's family ranchers are committed to providing you and your family with the healthiest most nutritious meat so you can live the healthy lifestyle in which you have a right to. What are you waiting for? Log on to AmericanFarmersNetwork.com and eat and live healthy today. Let's go around the NBA in five. Want to start with exciting? Been a while since we've done this. There's no better way to start off than to discuss one of the best, most heartwarming stories to hit the wire all summer. Gus Johnson, he has returned. Yes, this Gus Johnson. He has been hired. The Milwaukee Bucks by of all teams, the Milwaukee Bucks. Kind of a perfect match, I guess, with their talent being so young, energetic, and athletic. Kind of the perfect match, I guess. Uh, I'm sure Jabari Parker, Giannis, will give him plenty of reasons to scream. I tell you what, Gus has always been fun. I was first exposed to Gus back around that 2000 Patriots season, the infamous Bill Belichick first season with Bledsoe, 5-11 and Everyone knew the Patriots would be awful. They were awful, so CBS tossed them Gus. Well, him and Don Crickey, Steve Tasker, and the rest of the bottom of the barrel announced teams every week. Definitely no eye and eagle in there. And Gus was young starting out. I think my first real memories of him, Michael Bishop threw a Hail Mary at the end of the half against the Colts. Patriots won that game. The whole game, Gus was calling it like it was the Super Bowl and the seventh game of the World Series rolled into one. And it was with this wretched Patriots team. And that was what jumped out at me, that, that game. Like, who is this guy? And he was young at the time, but with the NFL getting some horrendous matchups. But college basketball, the guy in March and Madness, always seemed to find his way into calling these huge upsets, great games. And his mantra, coupled with the explosion of media blogs, YouTube, the whole world being able to see his work and hear his work instead of just the minuscule markets he was subjected to cover, 
got to you know listen to what everything he does, and he became kind of a cult figure in a way, and a, and a very good announcer. And he did do Nick games, but nah, no one cares about them. And recently, without the Knicks, his jump from CBS to I believe Fox, getting better NFL games, but becoming less visible, not being a part of March Madness, it kind of taken him a bit out of the eye, and that's kind of a shame. I miss the endless array of Deadspin articles and clips of these random J- Gus Johnson calls, such as Gerard steps up, fires, Mike Sims Walker. Sense the enthusiasm. We'll get that back again. Either way, good to see him get another gig. Great move by the box. What a pickup. And here's another story. I always shudder at these offseason stories where so-and-so gained 12 pounds of muscle. There's another one even that came out. Roy Hibbert lost 14 pounds. Definitely believe that, especially with our good friend Mike Roussel. Anyways, first off, virtually impossible for anyone unless you have testosterone levels through the roof. And usually to get testosterone levels through the roof, it requires some injections that may or not be legal. But either way, can we stop with the James Young added 20 pounds of muscle? It's not possible to add that amount of muscle in that short a period of time. Now, maybe so-and-so added weight, but it's just not physiologically possible for it to be all muscles. It's just propaganda stories. That's really what it is. Get a fan base excited. Dump that on opposing teams because there really are a lot more people that are stupid enough to buy that. But now, sure enough, someone from one of these camps has leaked to respected NBA reporters that Anthony Davis has gained 12 pounds of muscle. Look, I don't know why it's necessary to use something like that to strike fear in opponents. Davis is good enough as is and right now i believe he's at worst the second best player in the league probably the lead guy if you were picking a team to start a team with and i think he when he has an even better year it's just due to natural and progression it is his fourth league in the year now as scary as that is but he's a young guy early 20s as your body is very anabolic during those stages so yes there's no bigger fan of anthony davis other than me besides paul flannery and I expect him to have this huge season, possibly become the best player in the league officially. And Anthony Davis is here, and he will be here for a long time. So let's ease up on the stories regarding him, Ryan Anderson, James Young. It doesn't add up and serves nothing more as journalistic filler during these stale times. But that'll do it for Around the NBA in 5, brought to you, as always, AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. And that is going to do it for this week's edition of Celtics Beat. Music for Celtics Beat was provided by Will Rock, Chuck Dietz, Hyde209, and Steph Legrato. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is Celtics underscore Beat. And you can like Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio on Facebook to keep up with the show at Facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. Google Plus Celtics Beat on CLNS. We interact there as well. We would love to thank our guest Gary Tangway as well as our sponsors Linda, Audible Casper, DraftKings and American Farmers Network for making this all possible for our staff writer Eddie Santiago, program director Nick Jelso and myself the executive producer and host of Celtic Speed, I'm Larry H. Russell see you next Sunday, last September show believe it or not, next week another edition of Celtic Speed. Heard exclusively on CLNS Radio.